All right. Good morning. We're going to start with a little bit of a story here. So there was a pastor who decided to save a little bit of money and uh, wanted to refinish his deck on his own. So the lumber's delivered, and come Monday morning, he goes out with his hammer and his nails, his saw, and he starts working. So as he's working, he sees one of the neighbor boys kind of in the corner of his eye kind of watching him, and he's going, okay, that's interesting. Well, he's probably going to go play. He's just kind of checking things out. So he continues to work and looks up about 15, 20 minutes later, and the boy's still standing there looking at him, going, you know, so he starts to pause, and so he calls him over and says, so do you want to help me out a little bit? Are you just curious on how decks were made? The little boy looks up to him and he goes, nope, I just want to see what a pastor says when he hits his thumb with a hammer, <laughs> right? So, you know, my kids have asked me that too since I became a commissioned pastor. They said, is that really what a pastor would say? And, you know, sometimes I just use a little bit of Tommy Boy. Uh, it just comes out. So we're people too. But humor aside, you know, as we go into First Peter this morning, that's, that's really uh, where he's at this morning. The world is watching us, how we treat authority, how we treat our neighbors, how we treat our bosses, our masters, how we treat our spouses. As Tom mentioned last week, people are watching, right? That's the theme for us as we, as we move into this scripture passage today, is how should we as the church treat each other as we are in exile, but more importantly, how should we treat those outside the church? As we are in the midst of suffering, how do we, in suffering, in submission, how do we do that? As one author put it that I read, how do we as Christians in, in our holiness meet those people, hostility against us? How do we do that? And I think the question really this morning as we're walking in exile is really how do people see you? How do people see me? And are we willing to bless others in all circumstances? So just to take people back, I know we have some visitors here this morning. We are, we are walking as a church in the church in exile over the whole year. That is our theme for the year. So as we think about this, just to be reminded, First Peter here, Peter is talking about the church. These people are being exiled. They've went over 500 miles from here to Canada, as Pastor Kevin has told us, right? They're being pushed to the margins of society. And as they're being pushed, as new cultures are getting taken over by the Roman Empire, getting meshed together, there's different cultures mending together. And this little group of people, outnumbered, being persecuted, being lit on fire for the Roman Empire and the Roman soldiers to have parties, in the midst of that persecution, they are supposed to submit, to be a blessing. And I think it's important for us to think about that context here today as we look at the church in today's world, right? We're being persecuted. We're being seen as irrelevant in society. And while some of us have argued, some of us have had some good discussion over the last year as this has been our theme that, come on, in Pella, Iowa, really? And we are a little bit maybe in a bubble, but even some things have changed there. But we just have to turn on the news, right? And we can see leaders on national talk shows being criticized and said they need to go to a sane asylum because they believe in Jesus and they say they talk to Jesus. We see religious leaders being persecuted and compared to a, a, a leader at a Nazi concentration camp because of some of their Christian beliefs. Now, my point is not to be political. Some of you may know what those stories are about and who they are about. Right? I think if we've learned anything in the last 10 years is we should believe in Jesus first and not any political party. Can I get an amen for that? Right? 
But Christians, unlike never before in this country that was founded on Christianity, are being pushed to the margins, right? For saying we believe in Jesus, for praying for people, we are getting pushed away and moral principles are changing. But as Tom mentioned several weeks ago, the kingdom of God is never in trouble. God is never surprised. But in the midst of this disunity, as we think about where our country has been, that used to print Bibles, our government print Bibles for the use in schools, and where we are now, there's this disunity, this disorientation, as Kathy talked about this summer. So what does that leave us to do? So as I was thinking about that, we have kind of three major choices. One, we can go buy a couple hundred acres and build some walls and make a compound, right? And stand in our holy huddle. Sometimes it feels like we should do that, right? There's another middle option, as many denominations, including our own, are going, and, well, it's not fitting in, so maybe we reinterpret the Bible. Maybe we change what Scripture's doing. There's some warnings against that. Or lastly, do we meet people where they're at? Do we open loving arms, no matter where they're at, no matter what sins they're committing, welcome them here with open arms and go make disciples of all nations? So where are you at in that spectrum this morning? as you enter this space today. So as we saw last week, as we were going through 1 Peter, we're talking about submission, submissions to governments, to authority, to spouses. So to a group, the small group, facing extreme persecution, they were wrestling with this, right? This submission. So in the midst of that, we see, and now he doubles down, Peter goes after them, we not only have to look different in submission, we're going to have suffering, so how do I have, can I be a blessing? So that's where we're going. So if you have your Bibles or your digital devices, uh, we're going to go to 1 Peter 3, verses 8 through 22, we're going to focus on verses 8 through 18. Hear the word of the Lord. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil." Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear these threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and kindness, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against you and your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ has also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made in a, alive in the spirit. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. So there's some really powerful stuff here. And if we start in verse 8, that verse 8 is really the only verse here that's for the church, for us in Christ. And he says, as we unpack that, all of us in the church who confess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, this should be our general attitude. First, to be like-minded. And this is important as we put it back in that context 
of them being persecuted and being pushed into margins, cultures getting mixed together, different languages, different backgrounds. The word in Greek is homophron. It means unanimous in the same faith. One source put it this way, and I really like this. It's cooperation in the midst of diversity. I really like that because as I think about this, there's not a lot of it that we have in common. I'm Norwegian and Swedish preaching in a Dutch church. I have this relentless hope the Vikings will someday win a Super Bowl. Amen. Yes. I, my skin tone is red, white, or peeling. That's all I got. Right? And I have some crazy hobbies that some of you think would be really kind of silly. I have a Lego room at home. And we all have different things like that. We're from different backgrounds. We have different beliefs on some things. We can have good disagreements, but we have Christ. We are together. We can have cooperation in the midst of diversity. It also talks about sympathy, and it was ironic. Is really the word that it says there for sympathy is really a little bit more like empathy, and that was our, our core, the high school ministry's topic this week. So as our small group was talking, we talked about empathy and how that's really, we go down a ladder, right? We get to somebody else's level. We listen. We don't provide feedback. We don't say, this is what you should do. We say, okay, that's, that's I, I see how you could feel that way. We go cry with them. We go listen to others, which is a hard thing to do. But that's what God wants us to be at. Because I, I know 25 years ago, I had a friend from high school in our church that passed away, and I didn't go to his funeral. You know, I had all the right excuses. I was at college and all those things. But as I reflect, part of it was I didn't know what to say. And as I told my, my group on Wednesday night, you know, 25 years later, unfortunately, walking through times of death with other people, people don't care what you say, they don't care what you write. They do care as you are there. Your presence is what matters. So have empathy. It also talks about love, and, the, and there's many words used for love in the New Testament. This one is a brotherly love, a deep commitment, more than acquaintance, treating someone like their family, and to have compassion, mercy, kind-hearted, desire to do good for others, and to have humility. And I love C.S. Lewis, great Christian author, and he says humility is this way because we get this wrong a lot. We think humility is being weak, but he says humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. And I really like that. And to, to really live this way out as a church, we have to stop having church be a place we attend. It's not about the third church building, the Peace Lutheran building, the Catholic building, the Methodist, Baptist, and other churches in town. It's about all of us that go there. We are the church. So how do we move out of insults and comparison and judgment and hostility so that those outside the church can see something different? We are all in this together, those of us in Christ, like-minded compassion, to have empathy. And now we move to the main part of, of his words this morning as we move outside the church. So in verse 9, it says, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, pay evil with a blessing, because this you are called so that you may inherit a blessing. These are hard words, right? As we think about it, I don't know you, if somebody comes and says or, or attacks my kids or attacks me, I'm going full Cobra Kai on them, right? I am taking them out karate kid style. That's just our natural response. But here we see Peter kind of go and double down on this. Not only were you supposed to have a gentle response, we're supposed to have a blessing. 
that's hard for us. Have a gentle response. So if you're suffering at work, and that's been really hard the last few months for me, bless your leaders. I can't believe what President Trump, I can't believe what Vice President Biden said. Bless your leaders. Man, you, you just can't believe what my husband, my wife, bless your spouses. Well, Darren, you've you got to be kidding me. You don't know what they did. You're right, I don't. But as I've reflected and as I've reviewed, God does. God knows he's timeless. He knows what we have done and what we will do, but he still sent his son, as we sang in some of these songs, to die for us. See, God isn't calling us out of the world. Yes, we're not supposed to be of the world, but we need to be in the world with people. Like it said a few weeks ago in 1 Peter 2.12, live among your neighbors. When we are insulted, we are to bless. When we are suffering, we are to bless, not withdraw from the world. And we can't miss in this, in this sentence, if you, if you remember in this verse, it says, so that we may have a blessing. There's a conditional statement. So if we, in our suffering, bless others, we will get a blessing. Now, it's not the prosperity gospel. If anybody's telling you that, get away. That is not in here. But Jesus says in Matthew, right, store up treasures in heaven. That's the blessings he's talking about. When we go to heaven, we will be rewarded differently. Scripture tells us that clearly. And this is how that faction that was being persecuted changed the Roman Empire, changed Europe in just a few years because they were different. In the midst of submission and suffering, they were blessing in what they did. As a quote from St. Francis uh, that I love says, preach the gospel always and if necessary, use words. So my question to us this morning, question to myself is, what do people see when they see you? When they see me? Verses 10 through 12. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue free from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So now again, he's doubling down, right? This is a story. This is a direct reference from Psalm 34. And just to give you that context, to remind you, Psalm 34, David has been anointed by Samuel. He's going to be the next leader but his father-in-law, Saul, is out to kill him. So he's being persecuted. He's, a, he's facing some suffering, but he's trying to submit in that, these crazy dynamics from his family. So we see twice how he responds in Scripture that he knows that God hasn't taken his father-in-law, Saul, out yet, even though he knows he's been anointed to be the next leader. And even though he had the chance to kill him, he doesn't. So can we respond like David? And bless the Lord, even though we're being persecuted, even though we may be suffering. Can we bless someone in that? And I'm going to push a little bit, so that extends to us, right? And that's the challenge for us today. These words are for us today. So as we're thinking about our social media, I know it's been hard for me. I've typed many things that I've had to delete as I've asked myself these two questions. Will this point to God or not? Am I attracting people or pushing them away? And that's been very, very hard because I want to point out some of the jack wagons right now that are saying some really stupid things. 
I don't know about you. I've, I've wasted a whole bunch of sarcasm the last six months as I asked myself that question and pushed the delete button. But we, seek, but we must seek peace. That's what it says here. We must seek peace. We must put our faith in God who is trustworthy, faithful, and good because God's eyes are on us. He is paying attention. And his face is against those who do evil. Justice will come, right? We read that. We know at the end when Jesus comes back, there is a heaven, there is a hell. There's eternal price. But are we willing to let God take care of things? Or do we have to have the last word? So the question I have for all of us is, can you be a blessing? Can I be a blessing each day for everyone we meet, even if they're against us? So I want to try something this morning, right? I think the coffee's wearing off a little bit. So it's very easy to do, to do a blessing. So I'm hoping you'll join me in this. So we're just going to simply say these words. If you know the person in your tribe that you came with or next to you, six feet away, as we social distance, could you just say this? If you know their name, go, Alyssa, I bless you in Jesus' name. Andrew, I bless you in Jesus' name. If you don't know them, can you just say, I bless you in Jesus' name? Can you just take 30 seconds and bless those around you with those simple words? See how easy that is to do? And I, I don't know if you guys could feel it, but I could see it from up here, just the demeanor in the room changed. Smiles, right? I have somebody else for me. It's a very easy thing to do. It doesn't have to be elaborate. Verses 13 and 14. Who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. Now, some of you, when you're hearing all this suffering, you may be going back to those first three choices and maybe thinking the compound may be the right idea, right? We don't want to suffer. But if we look at these words, who can harm us if we're in Jesus, right? Paul puts this in his letters so well um, throughout his letters. He says, if, I, if I'm to live... Jesus lives in me through the Holy Spirit, but if I'm to die, I'm with Jesus. So whether I live or I die, I'm with Jesus. Do we believe that this morning? Right? We are here on this earth for a blink of an eye. As Kevin has said, we are, we're here for a dash in between two dates on a gravestone. So are we willing to let God take care of things? Do we believe that? Do we believe it's a privilege to suffer and we are to be different than the world so we don't fear. The word it uses there is phobio, which is where we get phobias from. So we are to reject our anxiety, our natural instinct. It's hard to do, but we must put our trust in Jesus. And if I could have uh, the this, this slide with the quote from Oswald Chambers. I love this quote. The remarkable thing about fearing God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. But if you don't fear God, you fear everything else. So again, one other question for us this week to wrestle with is, who do you fear, God or the world? See, God blesses us in our suffering and persecution we have, if we have a reverent fear, a loving fear for him. Nothing else matters, not COVID, 
Not the election, not our jobs, not anything else. But as he's reminding us here, persecution will come. It's a result of obedience. When we claim Jesus is the way, the truth, of the life, it's so exclusive, we will be persecuted. The world does not want to hear that. So verses 15 through 17. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against you and your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it's God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. So we're supposed to revere Christ. People will notice that difference in us as we have a hope in times of trial and we act differently in our suffering by blessing others. But we must be prepared. And I don't think we do a good job of this. And I, I, I had an example. One of my friends is, is, in the, uh, the, is on the police force for Marion County. And for the first time, unfortunately, with everything going on in, in the United States, they bought riot gear over the summer and they've been practicing with it every week, not knowing what's going to happen with the election and all those things. But why are they doing that, right? They are preparing. You know, they're doing things every week to understand and get that mental and muscle memory down. So if situation occurs, they are ready for it. They're preparing. So again, this week with my, with my small group, and I got a couple guys here from it, we talked about that as some are going to go next year into the working world, they're going to go off to college, and they're going to be faced with people that are against them, many professors going against the Christian belief. Have they prepared themselves to give a gentle response, or maybe not even a response at all, but to be rooted in their faith so that they know what they may be attacked with is not truth? Because I don't think we do that well enough as Christians to look and read through what scripture says and prepare us to give an answer in gentleness. It's the word apologia. It's make a case for, it's what lawyers do. In this case, a case for Christ. And it's hard in our society, but I challenge each of us to go back to our workplaces and be that. I made that decision 15 years ago to pray for people, to go with people, walk with people in the workplace. And it's been hard. I've had some conversations with HR about it but I'm not going to stop doing that because that's what we're called to do no matter what. But we need to do it as he says in gentleness and respect. We don't condone people or condemn people or be insulting to non-believers. We invite them with wherever they are at, even in our minds if we're going, whoa, that is way wrong. We have to meet them in love. And I want to just give you a simple example of how easy this can be. And I don't mean this in any self-elevating way, but, and I'm going to hide the story because I know some of you know this person and I didn't, I know he'd be okay with it, but I didn't get a chance to get full uh, permission to share it. So I'm going to guise it a little bit. So at Pelicorp, we've, we've had the, the, the blessing of getting a lot of people from India over the last 20 years to join our workforce. And me being a, a talker and just liking to learn new things and new cultures, I've gotten to build some great relationships and just learn about their faith and about their background and just get to know these great people. And one of these individuals, um, as we've been talking, we traded, we'd go to lunch uh, every so often and read some different books and give some different ideas. He called me one day and he said, it's about a year and a half ago, and he said, hey, can we meet for lunch? And I said, yeah, sure. And I could just tell in his voice something wasn't right. And as we were meeting for lunch and sitting there and talking and the pleasantries were done, and he, un he unpacked just the situation that was going on in his family. 
And as I was listening, I just sat there and I said, what, you know, what, what can I do? And he looked, he goes, can you pray for me? So in the midst of that restaurant, I prayed for him in the situation. And I asked him later, I said, what, you know, and I know even to this day, he's not a believer, which is okay. But I asked him, what, why? And he said, well, he goes, you always have such a positive attitude. And as you shared, you have a different way that you look at things. Again, I'm not perfect to ask my kids. <laughs> I, I definitely uh, stumble along the way. But we can just, by being present and showing people that we care and investing in them, we can be there to listen to others. We need to make friends who are not Christian. We need to coach kids' soccer teams across different backgrounds. We need to go to the brew house and the peanut pub. We need to hang out with people after work. But we still need to be distinct in those places and live as God intended us to be, live. And really, this is where everything is bring, brought together in this verse. As we live in obedience and exile and submit to those who may be over us and exiling us as we're submissive, blessing them even in our suffering, we can share a hope that we have that is different. These verses, we don't like to see. We will suffer. It says we will suffer. People will speak maliciously against us for the wrong reasons. But what is our response? As I've told my small group, as I've told my kids, we have to choose our attitude. I have to tell myself that multiple times throughout the day. Choose your attitude. Because what they see, that world is screaming at us and we can be different. Are you willing to play your part in God's divine story? for his eternity. Whew, time is flying. Um, so verse 18 and through 22, there's, uh, there's some good scripture. I'll read verse 18. I won't read the rest. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the, righteousness for the, unri the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. So simply what this verse and the, and the verses beyond that to verse 22, there's, some weird language in there, kind of, it, it, it can get a little confusing, but really it's simply what the songs before we started were talking about. We are to meet the world with a posture of mercy, grace, and love because God met us that way. He sent his son to die for us. Do you believe that this morning? If not, meet me after the service because I want to talk to you about that. So the, the worship team can start making its way uh, back up here. But in closing, I, I've been reminded, I think many of us through this last season, you know, our church family, for those of you visiting, we've had a, the last few years have, have had, we've talked about this, just a lot of deaths in our church family. And I think many of us, as we've went through COVID these last six months, we've been dealing with our own mortality a little bit as a nation. I, for one, have, in the last year or so, have had three high school and college friends pass away and had to deal with that. And as, as I've walked with that, and I'm gonna, I had one that struggled with cancer for about five or six years and saw her journey and the blessing she was and trial treatments and things of that nature. But I wanna focus on, on one, and some of you um, that may, may be here this morning and uh, knew him at, at UNI, his name was Chad Symington. And I've talked about him a little bit before just by calling him Chad, but he passed away this summer. And when I got the news, um, I went downstairs. The kids were actually scared, they said, because for a couple hours I was blaring music. I was, I was screaming at God. I didn't know why. 
right? But I know I'll see him again because of Christ. We had that in common. But Chad was the person, this, it's a great example. As I went to college, and you've heard me talk about the Dark Darren era, my parents are here, they can give you more insight into those fun years, as my dad's shaking his head, yes. Um, so you can talk to them after the service. But as I went into college, I joined a fraternity, and Chad joined with us. And we did some really crazy things. Well, that's again for a story at the peanut pub, probably. But he came along beside, and he never stepped into some of those things. And some of us kind of, you know, people were making fun of him. It's like, wow, well, you won't do this. But even in that perse persecution, he stayed true to his beliefs. And he did little things like for me, who was listening to Metallica and Cypress Hill, not the best music, even though I still kind of like to listen to it. Um, but he would slip a CD under the door and he said, hey, I heard what you were listening to. You might like this. And I'll never forget, he gave me the CD of PFR, them, which was kind of a, a little heavier Christian music, right, at the time. Subtly blessing me in the midst of that. So as he dealt with depression and things his whole life, he, he went into the ministry and navigators after college and hundreds and thousands of lives have been changed by him as, pe as he brought people to Christ, being this example that we talked about. So can we be like that this morning? Can we be like Chad? So if we go to the next, uh, next slide here as we close so to this unbelieving world that is watching us, we may be the only Bible that they see. Jesus wants us, even in those hard times, to connect with others in our culture. We are all in this together, right? Many of you, if you know me at work, if you know me here, you've heard me say that, red, green, crazy show from the 90s, Canadian comedy. That's where I got the phrase, but that is one of my phrases for life. We're all in this together, and I truly believe that. And we have to as a church. But as you go back to your families today, through the week, if I could have the next slide, can you discuss these questions? Can you wrestle with these? What do people see when they see you? Are you attracting or pushing them away? What is stopping you from doing a simple blessing like we showed you how to do to everyone you meet this week, even those who are against you? And in a society where it's getting harder for those of us with Christian values, are you ready to show mercy, love, and perhaps be the only Bible that they will read? Are you more afraid of God or the world? If I can have that last slide. So what I would like to really challenge you, each of us, is this week, can you just find one person to share your story, share your faith with, to give them hope, as we walk with people, meet them where they are, in their suffering and in our own. And praise Jesus even in the storms of life that come our way. Amen.